0: Hi, welcome to Offscript, I'm Zach Lewis.
1: And I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Today on the show we'll be taking a look at the new Disney live action film, Aladdin. We're also going to talk about Olivia Wilde's directorial debut, BookSmart and why it might be worth your time to go see this movie. Uh, we're going to also have a conversation about BookSmart and its success this weekend, or really lack of success, and why that is in the age of Netflix and HBO and other streaming services. But first, before we get to all of that, we need to talk about the news. Three quick stories this week, and we want to start with Rotten Tomatoes revamping movie audience scores to focus on verified ticket buyers. Yes, Rotten is re- reworking the algorithm again. For some reason, and I'm not really sure why, Andy, you found this story. What's going on at Rotten Tomatoes?
1: So in an attempt to combat uh, review bombing and online trolls, uh, Rotten Tomatoes is moving towards this verification system where you're going to have to prove that you bought a ticket and actually saw the movie before leaving a uh, review. And this is for their, I guess, their cinema score. Um, and and this is, at, at the seat of it, it's a good idea. You know, you, you don't want people... Because what happens is people will come and review bomb a film before it even comes out, just something that they might have a grudge against. And so this is their attempt to um, combat that. Uh, So that's the surface level thing. But also the only way to verify is through tickets purchased through Fandango, which is a little insidious considering Fandango owns either part or all of Rotten Tomatoes
0: couple things here one i love review bombs they're so perfectly internet aren't they like everybody gets on and complains about the thing they haven't seen just because they don't like it it's it's brilliant and two it is a little insidious you're absolutely right like that was my first thing when i when you sent me this article earlier in the week i said wait who owns who owns Fandango? Who owns Rotten? Does Fandango own Rotten? He said, yeah, they do. I was like, that, that is insidious. Like, I have to go through your service to leave a review on Rotten Tomatoes, which is a fairly public thing. I didn't even know the two were affiliated. It turns out they are. And this just seems kind of like a step towards that. But I do understand the reasoning behind it, right? Um, kind of. What, what do you think?
1: Um, it It's a good idea at heart to try to again combat these people that are that try to shift these scores i don't know how much those scores matter i i forget that those uh audience reviews are even there so they don't matter to me um but like i said at the same time you having to buy a ticket through fandango to be verified and then write a review uh is a little shaky
0: yeah, I, it's, it's worth mentioning here that the uh, chief marketing officer for Fandango, Lori Pantel, uh, when asked about this, said, no, 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 we'll we'll partner with any any other ticket sales company that wants to come on board. That's what she said anyway. So supposedly this is just for Fandango for now. Um, I'm in the same camp as you. I only look at like the cinema re- review score, the, mo- the movie review score, right? I don't really care about the audience score. I never have. Um, but I guess, you know, neat, I suppose. I, I guess... Ron's going to the trouble because they want to like revamp the user experience right they want people to get on and leave reviews and feel like it matters is that because yeah. to me why waste the time right
1: yeah exactly I mean yeah how much do you hate something you want to get on there and complain and think people are going to read it I'm not mm-hmm. sure.
0: <laughs> well, uh, keep it here on Off Script for More for Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, our next story from Cannes Film Festival, uh, Bong Joon-ho's I'm um, Bong Joon-ho, I think I said that right. Uh, his yeah. Bong joon hos Parasite wins the Palme d'Or, uh, the the penultimate prize from the Cannes Film Festival. Some big surprises here. Uh, we weren't expecting Antonio Bander- Banderas to win Best Actor. Uh, as a past his prime director and Pedro Almodovar's pain and glory. And we also thought Quentin Tarantino's once upon a time in Hollywood would come up with something. It actually turned out nothing, no <laughs> awards, uh, which obviously went over great with Mr. Tarantino. Andy, what do you know about this? Uh,
1: so this is significant for a number of reasons. So Bong Joon-ho is the first uh, South Korean film to win uh, the Palme d'Or, the uh, first Korean director. Uh, so that's a, a big deal. And I forget, he, he, I've seen his name a lot He did The Host and um, There was another zombie, I think it was maybe Trained to Busan um, so, so He's a big deal, he's a good director And I have not heard anything about this movie Parasite, but I, I have to see it Now because I've, I've heard it's a big deal And like I said, Tarantino came up Empty handed, who was the heavy favorite For um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood
0: uh, Let me tell you, I'm really Interested to see this uh, <laughs> Antonio Pantera's movie I know that's not the reason we're doing this story. I also want to see Bong Joon-ho's Parasite, because that sounds really neat. Apparently the audience stood up and shouted when it won the award. Uh, very big deal. Nobody got eyes on what Tarantino was doing. But this is Antonio Banderas' movie, Pain and Glory. It's, the, it's his eighth picture with Pedro Almodovar. Uh, shout out to B- Antonio Banderas coming back and winning an acting award. I wouldn't expect that. As a director past his professional peak in the middle of a creative crisis. It sounds like uh, the Birdman. So it sounds like Antonio Banderas' is Birdman. Right, did, right. If I had to wager. So any idea how Tarantino took this whole thing?
1: Uh, I don't. I haven't <laughs> seen his uh, his reaction. Or uh, quietly, mean, I guess. Yeah, Once Upon a Time is uh, it's coming out in late July, and it's, it's supposed to be a big deal. It's his alleged second to last film. So we'll see what that's all about.
0: Yeah, we'll have to see. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll keep an eye on it. Uh, our next story and last story this week, Aladdin soars to a massive $113 million Memorial Day weekend. Disney kills it. Uh, meanwhile, Love Your Wilde's R-rated high school comedy, Booksmart, won't we'll get to that in a second, earned $8.7 million, and Brightburn took in $9.5 million. Big weekend for Aladdin. Is anybody surprised by this?
1: absolutely massive you know it's funny i saw a thread on on reddit a couple of weeks ago and a guy was boldly predicting that aladdin was gonna bomb you know for one reason or another and i was like what are you thinking this thing's gonna clean up no matter how bad it may or may not be um so again disney has a winning formula and that's why we keep seeing these and you know more or less they're working um this did make more money than uh 2016's the jungle book directed by John Favreau, which kind of kicked off a lot of this, uh, these live action remakes, and didn't make quite as much as Beauty and the Beast, but it's still, you know, it's proving the case to keep these films going and why we're going to see everything remade.
0: (laughs) It is is an exciting thing, yeah. More and more Disney live actions to come for anybody keeping up. Uh, They're working on The Lion King next live action. They're also making Lady and the Tramp for Disney+, and I think they're working on pre-production for Mulan. That's their live action one. After that, I don't know what they're doing, uh, but people will be anxious to find out. I am happy for Guy Ritchie, the director, right? Because Guy Ritchie doesn't get a whole lot of work anymore because Guy Ritchie isn't cranking out very good movies. Um, so I'm excited for him. I, I think this will uh, light a fire under under him and definitely some actors and actresses we'll talk about in the review um, that, that put out some solid performances. Uh, I, I guess you're right. It's not a surprise.
1: Yeah, and it means we're going to keep seeing these things yeah. and they work they're, uh The biggest complaint seems to be that they're, you know, kind of pace or step-by-step remakes essentially. And we're not really getting anything new. And that's definitely something I would like to see more of to see. I don't mind seeing these properties reimagined. I just wish they weren't. Th- I just, there was more to them.
0: Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert for, for my review. I'm, I'm in that same camp. I, I wish it was a little bit, uh, a little bit heavier, but for what it's worth, you're right. We're going to keep seeing these things. Disney is going to keep making them. Obviously, we can look at Marvel. We understand they will run with a successful formula. And uh, incredible or not, it is a successful formula. People will go see them. Um, That's where we're at. So uh, we should move on to our first review of the show. We did a big swap right right before we got started. So believe it or not, uh, we're going to go against the grain. We're going to talk about Aladdin second. All right. Gonna, a, bold gonna, move, yeah, right. a, a bold move for bold cinema uh, we're going to talk about this movie Olivia Wilde's movie first Andy has graciously agreed to take the review you will find out why we're talking about it first very shortly Andy please take it away
1: this is Olivia Wilde's book smart
0: no 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 not acceptable this is not okay who allowed you to be this beautiful who allowed you to be this beautiful who allowed you to, be allowed you to take my breath away
1: So this is the newest uh, coming-of-age teen comedy, uh, like I said, directed by Olivia Wilde and starring Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein as the two leads. Beanie Feldstein, if you don't know, is Jonah Hill's younger sister, um, who was also in uh, Lady Bird uh, from a couple years ago. So the story focuses around these two girls on their kind of last week, last day of, of of high school. Uh, they're two huge nerds. They work really hard. Uh, Beanie Feldstein plays Molly, uh, who's the, the valedictorian and she's very proud of herself and, uh, kind of thinks that she's better than everyone. And, and, you know, she's valedictorian. She's going to Yale and very early on in their last day of school, uh, we meet a cast of characters, uh, the kind of these stereotypical, Uh, People in high school, you know, we have the, the jock, the slut, the, the nerd, the, uh, the stoners, all this, this kind of, uh, stock high school characters you see. And Molly fancies herself, you know, better than these people. I work harder. I got into Yale and she soon finds out that a lot of these people, uh, that she looks down on are actually have got into the same school she did or are going to other, uh, equally prestigious, uh, Ivy league schools or, or programs, so she's kind of knocked She's taken aback by this And she decides that her and her best friend Amy Played by Caitlin Dever are gonna Go to a big party this night You know we've never done any, anything Bad or wild and now we're gonna have a really good time Before graduation um, And because they're two girls who don't Really go out and party They don't really know what they're doing And so we get a, a super bad-esque Odyssey trying to get to this party And uh, we have a lot of laughs a lot of, Along the way and we also have a lot of other great things about this film. Um, so that's the, the story. Zach, well, what'd you think?
0: Andy, I really like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this movie is one of those movies that comes along and is better than it deserves to be. It's actually really good. It's the reason we want to talk about it first um, because, if, just spoiler, like you, sh- it's worth your time. You should go see Booksmart. Andy, what did you think?
1: Um, I loved it, and this is going to be on my top 10. I was yeah. really surprised. It uh, might not be on th- th- mine as well. Not that I th- thought it was going to be bad. It it really, like I said, it's drawn a lot of ca- comparisons to Superbad with female leads, and it does have that kind of humor. It is incredibly funny, um, and it, it it is kind of centering around a similar theme, but it's so much deeper because, uh, you know, S- Superbad in the end is about friendship. And this movie has a lot of underlying themes going on that are much deeper and much uh, give a lot for discussion, and it's hysterical uh, to begin with.
0: Yeah, let's let's start there, because I, I, I don't want to compare this movie exclusively to Superbad, and we'll talk about this in our Death of Cinema segment, but I think people comparing it ultimately is hurting the film, and I want to yes. talk about, just briefly, we'll talk about it more in that segment, why this isn't that. And and the main part of that starts with the fact that this is centered around women and not men in every sense of the word. In Superbad, our characters are not only self-deprecating, but very mean to each other they're they're mean all around. They're just they're just like bad kids, right? They they're dudes that are just mean and horrible. Yeah. Whereas the women in this movie, uh, played brilliantly by Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein are incredibly complimentary to each other. Incredibly kind and bring out the best in each other, at least these characters do. And that makes it feel like they bring out the best in each other as actresses. Um, they're tremendous. And they're, they're fun and engaging and positive and like it's such a it's such a breath of fresh air from something that I expected to be very crude and crass uh, and mean
1: yeah yeah exactly um, to kind of go off that we we meet a cast of characters very early on and then we also meet and get to know them more uh, 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 again kind of on a journey <laughs> to get to this party and that's where we we set up uh, a number of of laughs and, sorry, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and go just go into the like plot. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> is, is yeah, that's right? yeah, fine. Let's do it. Um, and so when they decide to go to the, these parties, they're like, "Well, we don't have, uh, they don't have a car, or they don't they don't know where it is." And so the, there's this whole thing with they, they they can't get there. They don't really know the address, and they keep getting the wrong address. And so we, you know, early on, we we meet a character like the rich kid, and they end up accidentally going to their party, and the, and there's uh a lot of laughs there and then there's a couple of other stops along the way and, and this kind of builds i don't know it was just really clever a lot of laughs and like i said we slowly got to know more about our main characters and also more about the characters that they kind of look down on
0: right it's it's a combination of two kind of things you have this like breakfast club style approach to high school john very john hughes esque. these uh, very typical uh, stereotypes of characters brought up into 2019, of course, modernized with smartphones and technology and social media. And you've also got this Odyssey-style quest. Our characters are trying to get to a place uh, with these, other, where these other characters are. And to get there, they have to overcome a series of challenges that they kind of stumble backwards into and comedically find themselves in these goofy situations that they have to get out of. Um, that's where they're using their book smarts, I guess. Uh, and then once they ultimately get to the party, there there's a turn there uh, similar to Super Bad, but not the same. Um, they, they they find out more about themselves. They ultimately become better people for the whole thing. It's a very satisfying, engaging A to B to C. Right? Yeah. They're introduced to our characters. They're given a quest. They have to get there. It, it works great, and you have so many fun, like, characters and, and brilliant writing that get you there, uh, and, and performances that are so confident. All of these kids in this movie, nearly all of them, I can think of a couple that weren't that great, but nearly all of the kids in this movie are tremendous. Really good kids, and I can't wait to see what they're doing next. Yeah, yeah. The two yes. leads, uh, Caitlin Dever and Beanie Feldstein, are incredible. What would you think?
1: Uh, no, I, absolutely. It's just, it's stunning that the writing is so clever, the je- the jokes are so good. I I went to a theater that was largely empty. There were maybe 10 people and even with 10 people everyone was cracking up. It was just uh really good writing, really good gags. But then I, again, a, a lot of heart. uh Beanie Feldstein is incredible. Um I I think uh, she's going to do be she's going to do some really good good work in the in the future. And as you're talking about some of the other characters we meet um, Billy Lord who is uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter Who who plays like the girlfriend of, of the rich kid and She's just she's hysterical And she just there's this gag where she Just kind of continues to pop up everywhere Seemingly Like a wizard just with no transportation She's at every every event um, And it's so unexpected and it's,
0: it's that, it's that, kind, that, kind, that. Of kind of little Gags that
1: run throughout the film but that are Really clever and still have A, a purpose as well
0: Right, Billy Lord's character in this movie, uh, if Booksmart was Animal House, Billy Lord is John Belushi. She's like this goofy side character that isn't really central to the plot, but you can't help but stare at when she's on screen. And the reason that happens is because these characters are played with such confidence. They feel so real when they're on screen. Like, they seem like such natural extensions of the actors and actresses portraying them. And I think that's a testament to Olivia Wilde's ability to to direct a performance. This is her first film after all that she's directing first directorial debut and it's really tremendous what she can get out of these kids it reminded me a lot of Bo Burnham in 8th grade like just really good stuff and I know they're not kids they're all like 20s and you know but yeah. um, man it felt so genuine it just feels like such a good movie
1: mm-hmm. um, yeah and similar to you know Jonah Hill's directorial debut uh, mid 90s from last summer you know we, we get another coming of it and it's funny because we, t- we were joking last year about the number of Uh, coming of age films about uh, young white males and so it's nice to see kind of some more diversity in that uh, what, uh, what did you think of the jokes? What do you think of the comedy, the writing? Is?
0: Uh, well, i I'll be honest. As far as the entire plot is concerned, it starts off a little clumsy. The first act, it was tough for me to get into. Cause you have to, it's got its own tone, you know, and you kind of have to find that. Uh, but once you get into it, once you, once our girls decide, Hey, we're going to go to this party and we're going to see what it's about. Like you, you're really in, in the passenger seat and you're along for the ride and it's good. It's really good. It's so you know, it's 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 biting and it's witty and it's funny because it's like derogatory in a way that's just so clever. One one character will sling an insult at another, another, and it just cuts so deep and it's so funny. Like I love it. Um, it's it's the kind of wit that we all wish we had but totally don't. Um, yeah, and it's so vulnerable in that way, and I just enjoy, I enjoy it so much. Like man, it's so funny. And and Beanie Feldstein's character, who is an overweight girl in the film. Uh, man she can dish it just as well as she can take it and it makes it so satisfying and it makes it feel so it makes her feel so strong as a character you really have confidence in her Mm -hmm. Um, really really good stuff what do you think
1: yeah we get a lot of different types of humor i mean a lot of it is just clever dialogue or jokes at other people's expenses we see lots of visual gags we get a a a little bit of of like some gross out humor as well um, some good stuff We also have Wanted to touch on this We have some kind of uh, Cameo appearances By uh, some other great stars Jessica Williams Plays a teacher Named Miss Fine Which is a clever Little gag Which I just now Realized in the name uh, uh-huh. Jason Sudeikis Plays the principal Lisa Kudrow And Will Forte Play um, Caitlin Dyer, uh, Dever's parents uh, Amy's parents um, and, and they just ha- The adults are in there Just a little bit They're sprinkled in um, But when they're They're in uh, They shine And that just adds a a little bit more to the to the movie as well.
0: Real quick, I just gotta Google. Uh, Yeah, okay, Jason Sudeikis is married to Olivia Wilde. That's what I thought. Anyway, uh, uh, and he's great in it. Uh, The movie looks fantastic. I should talk about that. For being a directorial debut, it looks real sharp. I did have an issue with some camera placement, but again, it's her first movie. Like, I'm not gonna crucify her for it. Like, otherwise. It just looks sharp. It, whoever shot it was very well well done. It's cast well, the writing is solid. Man, I don't have enough good things to say about this movie. I'd love to yeah. get into bits and like specific gags, but I don't want to give anything away. The less yeah, you know going a, in the better.
1: Same here. Uh, I also want to mention my, apparently Maya Rudolph is also in it. She is uh but just in her voice, her voice. She uh, is the voice of some of the uh, motivational tapes that we Right.
0: Hear. If you listen closely <laughs> in the trailer, you'll you'll hear her in there as well.
1: Um, what I did want to touch on, there is one, uh, there's a group of um, kind of these stereotypical uh, theater kids that we meet very early on, and uh, they come, They we see them throughout the film, and that's a hysterical kind of plot line a- as well, and really unique, and just lots to laugh at.
0: Oh man, yeah, <laughs> the theater kids are crazy underrated in this movie, there's this, uh, on the way to the party, there's a gag with the theater kids that they kind of stumble into that's that runs five or six minutes, and like, oh my god. Oh, man, I lost it. It was one of my favorite parts of the film. And other people didn't even laugh that much at it, but just, oh, man. It's just such a smart movie. Uh, it is totally worth your time, I think. Uh, anything else for recommendations, Andy?
1: Yeah, so I did want to touch on uh, kind of these, the underlying themes in, in the film. Uh, like Superbad, we get this... Um, the maturation of, of friendship uh, because th- their friendship is based on one thing and they need to, or, you know, several things. And then through the course of the film, they grow and learn more about each other. And that kind of brings some other issues up, which they have to kind of resolve uh, between themselves. And so th- this theme of friendship is very strong, but the other takeaway I got, which I think is very important, it's about the dangers of stereotyping people. Cause like I said, at the beginning we get this breakfast club esque um, cast of characters that we all know surface level. And as we slowly get to know all of them, we realize they are all not at all like they, they are perceived to be. And even the our main characters themselves, they're not exactly who they think they are either. So that's, that's kind of the, the takeaway theme. And I, and I thought it was really brilliant. And that's what to me puts it on a different level than, than super bad and mm-hmm. why it's definitely going to be on my top 10.
0: <laughs> yeah. I um I like so much about what this movie does. I, I wish people wouldn't compare it to what came before because I think it's really easy to see the trailer immediately draw a generalization and ignore it for something else. Um, it's such a smart movie. It, it's it's so clever and like it's it's just similar enough to Superbad to to use the two in the same sense, but it's certainly not enough for you to skip it. Uh, it, it's such a clever flick. Um, one more thing I, I should say: solid soundtrack. Well, I'm thinking about it. Um, Yeah. Spotify playlist worthy. Like, totally worth your time. Um, Andy, would you recommend Booksmart?
1: Absolutely. It it was really funny. You know, as a comedy, just that bar, it works on that level. It has, you know, we have two female leads, which is not something we see very often, female directed. Um, It's incredibly funny. Very heartwarming. has a really good progressive message, but nothing that's like you know, beating you over the head with either. Um, so I, I, really enjoyed it and I highly, highly recommend it.
0: I did too. Same, uh, uh, two thumbs up. Uh, I don't, don't take your parents to it. Maybe, uh, totally worth a date though. Uh, or like a real good friend. Um, it really, really good stuff. We need more movies like this. I'll be honest. I, I think, <laughs> uh, we so, need, we need more smart, funny, original flicks. Um, and we need more people to go see them. That's important. So go check out book It's worth your time.
1: So funny story. Uh, the row in front of me was actually like a small family. It was a father, daughter, mother. And I was a little worried because the the daughter looked like she was probably like middle school age or younger. And I was like, oh, gosh, I'm not. But uh, they all three had a really good time. And that was also kind of a positive thing. I was like, oh, we can can as a family enjoy (laughs) this kind of movie.
0: Uh, also, yeah, while well, I'm thinking about that, there were two guys in the back of my theater, two dudes, uh, and they could not hold it together. One of them in particular was one of those like yell laughers, and like you could hear him in the back trying so hard to like, stifle back tears during funny scenes. Oh my god, it was so funny. And like dudes enjoy it, young people enjoy it, uh, chicks certainly enjoy it. Like I, I, I don't know, chicks, women certainly enjoy it. God. Uh, so yeah, you should totally check out Booksmart. Absolutely worth your time. Uh, so, moving ahead, before we get on to Aladdin, we need to talk about a certain other something involving Olivia Wilde's Booksmart. Andy, do you want to uh, take the reins on this, or should I?
1: It's time for the death of cinema. So, uh... You know, We've just spoken all these great things about this movie. Uh, Forbes wrote an article entitled, The Box Office Failure of Olivia Wilde's Booksmart is a Sadly Predictable Tragedy. Um, and this sounds kind of like a hit piece, uh, but I don't think it is. It does bring up some really good points. Um, Booksmart only earned about $8 million over the weekend, which is not bad. Uh, not impressive either for the, the size of film it is. And... There were a lot of reasons for that. It went up against um, Aladdin and, of course, last week's John Wick 3 and Avengers Endgame is still out. Uh, so it was kind of a bad weekend. This is also graduation weekend, I think, for a lot of uh, schools. So, you know, kids may just have more on their mind, and it definitely is aimed at th- those audiences. But it's it's another it's another great original movie that no one went and saw
0: yeah, uh, this, it, this article compares it to a movie called Short Term 12, which came out six years ago. Short Term 12 made $1 million just over uh, its opening weekend, but uh, its cast included Brie Larson from Captain Marvel, Keith Stanfield from Story to Bother You, uh, Caitlin Dever from Booksmart, Remy Malik from Bohemian Rhapsody, and Stephanie Beatriz from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Incredible cast, incredible director, great movie, nobody one saw it. But uh, the, the good news on that, right, the, the other end, is that those people still go on to be successful despite the lack of success for its film. And that's the case this article makes for Booksmart, that Booksmart will continue to be successful over time. Odds are it'll be some kind of cult classic similar to John Hughes' films like St. Elmo's Fire. But uh, currently, nobody's going to see it. It's probably going to be seen as a box office failure. It's such a bummer, Andy. Why does this happen? <laughs>
1: Well, uh, you know, you have you have the big film. Well, sorry, this gets back to a bigger conversation that movie theaters are only for the big blockbusters, and that smaller things are more and more migrated to the uh, streaming services like Netflix and Hulu. And if you know that that's part of part of the discussion here and this is you know definitely not a blockbuster film and it's going up against blockbuster films um but I'm glad this, this to me this is th- theater worthy I'm glad I saw it on, on a theater it it was it definitely deserves to be there and I mean if people want original movies they have to go and see them
0: yeah, that's ultimately what this boils down to. There's a few reasons offered as to why uh, people didn't go see this. One, it's close to things like Aladdin and John Wick 3 and Avengers Endgame, and people just don't have that much money to go to the movies anymore. Two, for smaller stuff like this, people are more likely to default to Netflix. Last week, we talked about uh, Always Be My Maybe, that movie on the way to Netflix, and people are definitely going to watch that, but book Smart, nobody's going to go to the theater to see. Um and that's a shame like Netflix in a weird way has kind of tilted audiences to only go to the movies for stuff they know and stuff they trust and franchises like Avengers or John wick or Aladdin, but for new independent cinema, they're not going to take the time, which really skews where it feels like movies are going a little bit, right?
1: Yes. It's definitely not the trend I want to see, but that's, I've read numerous articles. that have said the same thing that, you know, the, uh, the bold period drama is now we see that in more in a TV series that we'll find on Netflix, and less of a, of a risk we would see in in the theater. Um, and it's it's, an, it's unfortunate, but I I think you know these things still can succeed because it compares it to Lady Bird, which went on to make fifty million dollars. Um, this might have had a better run uh, towards Oscar season or maybe a more dead time of of the year. It's definitely. But at the same time it's it's summer quality like we look forward to summer for because we usually get better movies and this is a better movie
0: yeah, in a lot of ways, it reminded me of something like uh, three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Like, odds are you didn't see that movie, but if you did, I'll bet you really liked it because it's a good movie. But like, nobody goes and see sees those. It's really a problem, uh, and it also hurts that this movie it can be compared to super bad so easily. I'm not saying we can't have movies that are like other movies. That's ridiculous, right? Like, at some point, we're gonna run out of ideas. But people are so quick nowadays to just look at something, immediately make a judgment, and decide, ah, I'm gonna skip it. And I think that's really happening with this movie. Oh, it's super bad for girls. I thought the same thing. I'm pretty sure I said the same thing on the podcast. And it's not like, and it's it's totally worth your time. But like, I, I do understand the mentality, and that does does hurt this movie.
1: I was gonna say I, I heard a good point. Uh, Mark Kermode mentioned that uh, that the trailer. And the comparisons to to Superbad are not helping the film because it's it's ultimately not that kind of film, and it's not, it's it's some, it's its own thing, and it should be portrayed as such. And the trailer is actually kind of it's he did not go in with good kind of thoughts because of the trailer, but then he ended up loving it.
0: Yeah, this movie also. Uh, this movie. This article also talks about how this is a female-driven film, right, with a female director. And not only is it important to support that, just for diversity's sake, but also because like it seems like audiences are always audiences are always clamoring for that with something like Captain Marvel. But then it comes out in a smaller fashion, and nobody cares, which isn't great. Ultimately, accountants in Hollywood will look at that and decide, well, it's not a good bet, and we're not going to do it. And and. I don't know. Uh, I I wish people would, you know, put their, put their wallets and their time uh, where their, where their mouths are. Um, But this is, you know, general audiences we're talking about. Of course, it's not going to happen.
1: A lot of people, you know, I I have told a lot of people about this movie and a lot of people just said they just, they didn't know about it. They're like, they're saying, what's that? I haven't heard anything about. So there's a certain marketing thing going on as well. I will say the, the, the comparison to short term 12 is a little off. Short term 12 is definitely a serious indie drama um, which this is not. This is definitely a much more mainstream film, so I I don't think that's a, a fair comparison.
0: Um, one thing, I think, before we move on in case you have other things, I, I think I'm about yeah, I, I'm running out of steam on this one, but uh, it's worth mentioning this article does uh, conclude uh, saying that Booksmart will likely become, according to this author, a generational cult classic. It has an A from the cinema score uh, from women, rage, women aged range 17 to 34. It's got like a 95 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, it's not just us. It is genuinely a good film. Uh, and this article makes the case that this might be something that, like, years down the line, people will pass on to their kids. Like, check out this movie. This mean, This meant a lot to me at the time. It might. Um, I I I don't know. I I I guess I I don't think this movie would do any better if it had come out on Netflix. You know what I mean? Arguably, it would do worse because it would just get buried under the tide. Right. So I'm I'm glad it was in theaters. I'm glad I saw it in theaters. I think that's the right place to see a movie like this.
1: Yeah. Same, and and I think it is going to stand the test of time because it because it has kind of this universal message and and this. Uh, I mean, the leads are funny, the gags are good, and they're not based on you know things like social media or technology, uh, th- those kinds of things that are, are passing in the wind.
0: agreed well we should probably move on to our other film uh you know i'm 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 not sad about pushing this one to the second i i'm not and and you'll find out why in my review here but for what it's worth uh, this is disney's aladdin oh great one who summons me i stand by my oath loyalty to wishes three i'm kidding watch this Aladdin is the story of the titular character, Aladdin, a street rat in Agrabah, a mystical city of the sands out in the desert. And uh, Aladdin it lives on the street. He steals to eat. He deals with guards and locals all day who don't like him, uh, but he stumbles into a kind-hearted woman who turns out to be, of course, the Princess Jasmine, the Sultan's daughter from the palace. Uh, and, and along uh, his journey to kind of find a path through life with her, he stumbles into a, a angry vizier who wants the world and the throne for himself, a, a magic carpet, and a certain magical lamp with a genie inside with a lot of personality that helps him become the person uh, he always wanted to be, or really needed to be, because the person he wanted to be turns out to be not that great of a person at all. That's the best summary I can think of the movie Aladdin. If you've seen the animated film, you're familiar, of course. Andy, what did you think of Disney's Aladdin?
1: Uh, So overall, very positive. There's a lot that works in here. There's a lot of great set pieces, uh, good music. And then there's a lot that doesn't. There's a, a lot of places where things are phoned in or where the writing is clumsy or the characters aren't written particularly well. Uh, so, again, my biggest complaint with these remakes is that they're like beat by beat rehashes of the original. And that's really what hurts this movie. Uh, I, I feel it lands somewhere in the middle where it's either, it could either be more cartoonish and more childlike or it could be more adult and more mature and this fa- falls somewhere in between where sometimes it's one and sometimes it's other and ultimately it kind of hurts it but there is a lot of the works and i, I think overall I, I did enjoy the spectacle
0: man i'm i'm very much in the same boat i there's a ton about this movie that's great of course of course it's great it's disney putting in a lot of money and getting behind a big project of a property we all know and love of course but like it's not really great. It lacks a certain something, a certain a certain Disney magic, frankly, and and ultimately that disappoints me. I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. So, <laughs> let, let's talk about Aladdin. To get started, you're absolutely right. It is it is the animated film nearly beat for beat. There are a couple things that are different. We won't spoil them here, but otherwise, if you've seen the animated film, you've seen this movie. You know how this movie goes. So, what works in this movie? What's what's done well? What what translates well uh, to life from from the animation?
1: So the thing that that stood out to me when I saw these trailers was the spectacle, and that's exactly what we get on some of the big numbers like uh, Prince Ali and uh, Friend Like Me. We get incredible set pieces, costumes, extras, music, effects. Um, those parts are incredibly impressive and worth the t- the price of admission alone. Uh, that's definitely part of it. The, again, the effects l- look amazing. It was reminded of the, like the 1993 Sega Genesis video game of uh, <laughs> you, you know flying through the, the cave of wonders. Um, so there is a lot that works. A lot of the performances are, are quite strong. I thought Will Smith was really good as the Genie. He brings a lot of his own attitude and his own character and style. Of course, nothing will really ever stand up to to Robin Williams. Um but he does a, gr- a great job given the material and he's one of the best things of the film.
0: Yeah, I'm I let's I, okay, hold on. Let me figure out the best angle over here. Uh, visually, you're absolutely right. The film's incredible. There's a lot of green screen, but like it's it's a Disney budget green screen. All right, it's not Bohemian Rhapsody with like a lame attempt at a green screen. It all looks as good as a green screen can look. In certain scenes, it looks real. In other scenes. It looks a little cartoony, but it's Disney magic. You let it pass, okay? Because it's not about that. It's about the story and the characters and the engaging stuff that you know and love. And the performances really bring that out in a big way. I loved the actors and actresses in this film, save for one, but I think he was poorly cast. Uh, Aladdin is played by Mina Musad. He's tremendous. I can't wait to see what he does next. Naomi Scott plays Jasmine. She was my favorite performance of the whole film. I can't wait to see what she does next. I found out she was uh, the Pink Ranger in in 2017's power rangers that live action and i kind of want to go watch that
1: just to
0: (laughs) see also she'll be in elizabeth banks's directorial debut charlie's angels alongside Kristen stewart she's one of the angels so keep an eye out for that because we're going to be seeing this woman more will smith is brilliant as the genie he's fantastic he's not quite robin williams he's got to be his own beast and it works great uh jafar of course is the one i had a problem with a man named marwan kanzari uh, miscast it's not that he's a bad actor it's that his approach I think was not great and that's up to the director ultimately Guy Ritchie to sort that out so I would put it on him uh, just, just a weird approach to his character
1: I, I didn't mind him I, I thought he, he was fine for me I, I thought he did a good job as, as Jafar um, we do kind of you know, one of the big characters in the animated version is of course the animals e, Iago and Abu and we both kind of lose that in this new live action version
0: yeah, I didn't want to get too far into that, because like I said, I don't want to spoil the things that are new, um, but but I, I mentioned that to, to Christine, because we saw it, I said, man, Abu and Iago are totally pushed to the side in this movie, like, they just don't, they're not as charismatic, they're not as interesting, their characters aren't as fleshed out, I, I guess because it was animated, there's a little bit more, like, design and punch to it, but in this, they're CGI parrot and monkey, respectively, and, like, They don't, you know, they don't really talk. The parrot kind of talks, but, like, they're ultimately just kind of... They're just kind of relegated to the side, and that's a bummer. But there are characters included that weren't in the original. There's a, there's a wonderful handmaiden uh, played by Naseem Padrad from uh, uh, SNL. F- 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, there there's this other there's this new guard character named Haseem. He's he's kind of interesting and fun. There's a couple new songs, so like it's not all bad. There is new stuff in there, and that is kind of cool. But ultimately, it does stick to the same like tentpoles uh, that you know and love.
1: Mm-hmm. so um i guess we can go ahead and get into some of the things that don't work and it the, <laughs> sure the the biggest thing for me is uh, some of the writing is really uh it's really bad and particularly the first act the way things get going is really clumsy because you're you can tell they're trying to recreate scenes from the animated version uh but it just it, it doesn't feel right in real life And <laughs> All of these great performances, we left out Mina Mossad or Mina Oh, I said Mina him. I thought, I no, I I said him yeah. no, I didn't because I thought I thought his character was written really poorly. He, right, you he, did not like the titular. He's Latin. well, he's just all over the place. Uh, sometimes he's uh, kind of a jerk. Sometimes he's sweet. Sometimes he's naive, and it's just uh, to me, it, it's it's the dialogue you get in the door of the explorer movie. Like it's that kind of adult. Dialogue dumbed down for eight-year-olds uh, sometimes. Like it's just it's we get a lot of that through for all the characters sometimes, um, but particularly him and it, it's just real rough. Yeah. Uh, what do you think?
0: No, I, I agree. And and maybe that comes back to the the Jafar issue. Like I said, mm-hmm. it, it wasn't. A, I don't think it was a matter of the actors and actresses. I don't. I, I think it was a matter of writing and coaching and directing. Like that's that's where the stumble is. I feel like these actors and actresses could have put out. Pretty much any performance they were given, but like these were the these this was the hand they were dealt. Somebody in the studio line said, "Hey, we want Aladdin to be played like this, charismatic, but kind of dumb, and oddly a little tonally deaf. Uh, we want Jafar mm. to be kind of nutso, but not really, because he's not this big charismatic guy." And and like, you know, that's neat, but like it, it it you you run the risk of things not working, and Disney clearly doesn't want to do that in these movies, and when they try. It kind of doesn't work, so they stick to what works, and and it's just this weird like self fulfilling prophecy, I guess. But I still wish they'd try. I still wish they'd try to do more or do things different, um, just in a way that's successful. <laughs> that yeah, the, 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 there
1: are, there are moments, like you said, when it is more adult and more mature, and we we feel like we have real actors. And then there's parts where it defaults to a, a film for eight year olds, and so it it what it causes is tonal shifts all over the place where. I'm not real sure what kind of movie we're, we're in or that we're making.
0: And as far as like the whole film comes together, you're right. Like in some parts, it feels like, okay, this makes like it really gets going in the second, third act. But the first act, it felt like at least the first 10 minutes, it felt like you had to have seen the original to keep up with what was going on. Because it Absolutely. throws so much information at you so fast and you don't have time. There's really no establishing characters or setting. It just starts like, oh, hey, here's uh here's our characters doing their thing now. it it really comes at you fast and if you've seen the original okay you know that's aladdin that's jasmine we're on our way this is agrabah if you haven't like i don't know how you would keep up i guess you just would stumble through it and figure it out as you go there were a couple characters in this movie like i didn't even know their names till the third act because it never really (laughs) said them and established them so you know i i I don't know i i don't know if i'm supposed to have seen the original know what i'm doing or come in fresh there were kids in the theater that enjoyed it you know because it was it was a packed house for us but and their parents that enjoyed it, but I really do kind of wish I could go back and see this movie without having seen the original and see how it holds up. Because I'm only coming at this with the expectation of what's come before, because it plays so close to the chest.
1: Right. The other thing that really stands out to me is the length. It is so long. <laughs> it's so long. Uh, it's a full two hours, and that's after any previews you may may or may not have sat through. Um, it really starts to drag about three quarters of the way. I remember looking at my uh you know watch and there were i was like we're only an hour and a half in and we have another half hour like what it was starting to really drag and it's you know it is based on a 90 minute film and it's a 90 it probably can be a little bit longer but not a full half hour longer
0: no and 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 the the runtime is a perfect place to jump into probably my biggest issue with this film the editing I know editing is one of those things that it's hard to nail down when you're watching a movie how to know whether or not the editing is good or bad, but the most practical answer is whenever editing is good right, in a film, and whenever editing is good in a horror film, you feel scared. Whenever it's good in a comedy, you laugh. Like editing is the thing that brings all of these separate pieces together into one coherent story and makes it engaging and fun. And when you're watching a movie that just feels like it drags and you just like it just feels like the longest movie ever, that's due to the editing. And the editing in this movie is frankly clumsy. There's scenes in this movie that are slightly well, it's not really editing, but slightly out of focus. There's scenes in this movie that are put together in odd ways. Action scenes have a million cuts in them, like taken, like it's it's just busy and it makes it feel long and drawn out in a way that doesn't necessarily benefit the experience. I, I was, I was checking my watch. I was like, come on, like, when is this? Let's move this along. And I know how it's going to end because I've seen the original and still I had to wait and expect and like, oh my gosh, it doesn't, it doesn't help it. I don't think, I, I don't know if they were going for it to feel like epic, but I, I don't know. It, it just, it didn't do it for me.
1: Right. Um, what did you, what did you think about some of the new additions? We, we've made, we've updated the story and it's definitely, you know, it's a little bit more progressive. We've changed some things from the old one. We've added some, including a couple of new songs. What did you think about those?
0: Well, I, I didn't mind them. I, I minded the way they were included. That was the thing. Cause there were songs in the original that I felt like were kind of swept under the magic carpet. And there's other, uh, new songs that didn't feel like they quite got their due. Uh, Jasmine has a great uh, song in this movie that I actually really enjoyed. I think kind of came from the Broadway play. I, I feel like a lot of elements that were added to this were pulled from that. At least I read that somewhere. And she's got a very powerful, engaging bit, and her character is fleshed out a lot more in this movie, which is really cool. But the first time you get the song, it's like a 45-second stanza, and that's it. And then the second time, it's a full reprise with multiple verses, which is great. But the first time you hear it, that's the first time there's an original song in this movie. So it started up and I thought, oh, great. Like an original song. I didn't know this was in here. This would be cool. And then after 45 seconds, it's over. I was like, oh, okay. So then when it comes (laughs) around again, it's just kind of like a false start. It's a weird stumble out of the gate for original songs in this movie. I felt that way. I'm, I, I'm sure you didn't, but otherwise, like I, I like it. Like I said, I, I, I want them to take more chances. I want them to kind of go off script a little bit, pardon the pun. Right. Um, <laughs> I think anytime they do that, they're growing as a studio and they're trying something new and ultimately that's beneficial even if it doesn't work out. What did you think?
1: Um, I liked these new uh, additions and this is probably where you can hear the biggest difference in, in the time is the, st- the style of music is so different. Like the... Um, the the kind of opening numbers like street rat. And that is reminiscent of the, it reminded me a lot of the musical newsies from the mid nineties. Um, yeah, also Disney picture. Yeah. It, so it's very much, that is a, a style of songwriting that is, it's pretty, it's pretty outdated at this point. And so it feels a little out of place. And when we get the new numbers, they're much more in the style of something like uh frozen, you know, where we, we get some, something we can belt. And so we can hear the age the most in the, these musical differences um, I also wanted to touch on some other changes. We leave some things out uh, from from the original, and there are some, some fundamental changes uh, from the original. They all work for me. One thing that, that I did want to touch on, and this is a the spoiler, they took out the, the scene where uh, Jasmine kind of acts like she's seducing Jafar. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I was when when I was watching the film, I was like, "Are they going to include that? Because that's kind that's kind of an awkward thing." And uh, I I was talking to to our friend Samantha, and she was like, "Yeah, that scene used to really kind of make me uncomfortable as a a ten year old." Um, So I'm glad that they've left things like that and they've made other progressive choices, uh, which all worked for me
0: one I, I got a good chuckle out of when it happened uh there's the, the scene after immediately following a whole new world right the, the 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 song uh when jasmine and aladdin are flying on the carpet they get back to the balcony and, and and aladdin drops her off and he says hey thanks i had a great time and she's like me too in the animated film carpet nudges aladdin forward and bumps him into her and it they they causes a kiss he he, he basically runs into her lips and they, and they have a, a <laughs> loving kiss and embrace. In this movie, the same thing happens, but he only nudges him forward enough to get close. And then they look at each other for a second and give like a consensual, okay, we're both good. And then they kiss. It's great. Uh, it's very it's very safe. Well done, Disney. Um, and that's probably the way it should be. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm just, that was one of those scenes. I was like, mm, how are they going to handle this? Because that, that, that might, that might yeah, have to, t- have to change have up for 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and I appreciated that those are the right changes to make um, you know there's nothing wrong with that
1: um, The last thing I wanted to touch on there are some small very small but uh, important uh, references to other films and other Disney properties namely uh, Star Wars there's a couple of uh, what I believe to be Star Wars uh, nods in the film as well as a couple of other uh, things in there they're very subtle they're very hidden they're very easy to miss so uh, if you go and see it be sure to watch real closely
0: yeah one of them i don't i don't believe actually happened but andy claims it was a thing so we'll have to <laughs> it was there I... <laughs> yeah mail at offscriptfilmreview.com if you if you found these things and think it's legit or if you think he's insane that's fine we'll, we won't spoil it here but andy anything else before recommendations uh i think i'm ready uh would you recommend aladdin
1: yeah. Overall, I would. It's it's a lot of fun. It's a big spectacle, and that was that was what grabbed me. Was the the I will visually be stunned, not just by the CGI, but just by the the costumes, the extras, the animals, all all the dance numbers. Uh, those kinds of things are what what. Really pulled me in and again, if if you have kids, it'll be great for them. It's a a trip down memory lane. Over, Like I said, it's a little too long and some of the writing uh, is a little flimsy sometimes, but overall, I enjoyed it.
0: I like I said at the the top of the review. I'm I'm not mad. I'm I'm just disappointed. Like (laughs) it's it's not not to harp on on the Rotten Tomatoes scores. That being the end all be all of whether or not you're going to enjoy a film. But it's worth mentioning that this movie has a 58 on Rotten, and people are still going to see it like crazy. It's got issues, and I think the biggest one stems from the fact that Disney plays these things so safe. Part of the magic of the original Disney animated films is that they were so original and so new and there was nothing like them and they had so much passion poured into every single frame of animation. And you watch these and you know, you just know they are a cash grab remake that's not going to do anything new or different unless they absolutely have to. And And... Ultimately, it feels like Disney is sacrificing a part of itself to make that happen, and that bums me out. Maybe the new Disney Classics are the Marvel films. Maybe the new Disney Classics are the Star Wars films. Maybe these aren't supposed to be what I want out of a remake of Aladdin, but I just I know there's so much more potential from that well of creativity and to see them just say, "Hey, you're going to come in, Guy Ritchie, and make the same movie, just change up a couple of things, and yeah, you can get a little creative, I guess. It bums me out. Aladdin is good. Your kids will like it. It's a great date movie. Go see it with your parents. Uh, they'll think it's great, but I I just, I, I can't shake this nagging feeling that it could be so much more. So, that's my real <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. Well.
1: Also, to to kind of bounce off that, um, you know, I'm reminded of the couple of Jungle Book remakes, and the one that that ended up on Netflix. Um, I can't remember the subtitle, but anyways, that was a, a great remake, and it it had updated characters. We got all this original dial. I mean, it it, it was the overall story that we know, but it was you know, lots of original writing and characters and situation. It, that movie was particularly really dark um, for a kid's film. And and it was so much more memorable and enjoyable for that. And you're absolutely right. There's um, there's just not a lot there. And I, I remember, I keep hearing all these stories about what it took to get Robin Williams to do the genie and how they did it. And basically they had him improvise so much. And of course that's really hard to animate too. So they they had him improvise his lines and his parts and then they had to go back and do the animation over it it was just this huge challenge but that's the, they want that's the length they were writ, willing to go to get an incredible performance
0: right it was a it was a huge challenge but it is a cultural milestone like you can go up to 100 people on the seat on the street and and ask them about robin williams and nearly every one of them were called oh yeah genie blue blue genie totally like that's it 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 mattered so much more, and this one is good, but ultimately it's just kind of, it, it it will be forgotten. It won't it won't last. It won't stand the test of time like the original did. Nobody's gonna remake the live action Aladdin, but people will will remake the original animated Aladdin. So, I don't know. That's you know that's that's the way it is. It's not that bad. Uh, uh, Booksmart got a ninety seven. Go go see Booksmart.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> Seriously.
0: Uh, and with that, we have wrapped our show for this week. Uh, if you want to know what we're watching next week, I'll tell you. Uh, we're going to watch Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Uh, very exciting. No way Christine goes and sees that with me. We're also going to see Always Be My Maybe on Netflix, that movie I was trashing earlier during Death of Cinema. We talked about it last <laughs> week. It does look good, to be fair. I'm only trashing it in comparison to other films on Netflix. It does actually look like a cool movie. I'm excited to see it. Uh, if you want to get involved with the show, involved. If you want to get involved with the show, let us know what you thought. Tell us if you thought Aladdin was good or bad or for crazy. If you thought Booksmart was great, email us at mail at offscriptfilmreview Check out our website offscriptfilmreview.com. dot We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're around, so hit us up. Throw us a like, a comment, and if you can do anything for the show, the biggest thing you can do is just subscribe. It's free, and it's easy, and we really appreciate it. And if you want, throw us a rating, too. Five five stars. Don't worry about the review. You can do that next week. But for what it's worth, thank you for listening to Off Script, the home of Bold Cinema. I'm Zach Lewis. And
1: I'm Dr. Draper.
0: Thanks for listening.